Knox walks along the avenue. It was Ides Vorburgfall, beneath an oppressive quicksilver marine layer that makes everyone look small, the tram and cabs toy-like. The only relief to the impervious gray comes in the form of an occasional umbrella, of little use against the steady mist. He wears nondescript brown shoes, blue jeans, and a tan Scotty vest windbreaker with sixteen zippered internal pockets all containing various necessities. A roll of coins to palm in a fist fight, a pen light, a pack of waterproof matches, a pick gun for the occasional locked door, a sewing kit in case he's wounded. That he blends in is never in question. The Detroit Tiger's cap helps to hide his face with its two-day beard and Tunisian tan. He passes a dozen of himself, keeps his right shoulder to the storefronts to reduce his exposure, uses reflections off the glass to his advantage. The coffee shop is abuzz with conversation as he enters. This is his fifth visit here in as many days, and it's always the same. The crowd is a sprinkling of tourists on top of a foundation of firmly rooted locals. English is spoken as much as Dutch. There is an intensity to the conversation that one doesn't hear as much in the U.S. The women look masculine in their short haircuts. Only the piercings give them away. Knox is a fan of femininity and mourns its passing. He finds a chair at a table occupied by a young couple and installs himself. A waitress with a lip stud and midnight purple eye shadow takes his order for an espresso. Knox pulls out his mobile, an iPhone on a prepaid SIM, and sends a text across the room. Of the twenty or so in the cafe, twenty or so have their phones out, including Sonia. Wait for signal. Leave cafe. Take tram to Central. Take thirteen to Westermark. Proceed south on Kaisersgracht to the Dillon Hotel. Wait in the lobby. He hits send, his eyes straying over the balcony. Knox uses the camera to surreptitiously get a closer look, just as he used it a day earlier to capture her number as her phone rebooted. Her elegant fingers with their close-clipped black polished nails nudge her phone almost absent-mindedly as the text comes through. She eventually drags the phone to a reading distance and... If he had to guess, she reads the message twice. His camera is on his lap by the time her head snaps up and she scans the room. He can only wonder what she's experiencing. He's banking on a journalist's curiosity, an investigative reporter's paranoia, a woman's intuition. Given the controversy of the topic she's been covering and the unfortunate outcome for at least two of her sources, she must give weight to the possibility that she herself is being watched. He won't know until he tries. It's everything he can do to keep himself in the chair. Time crawls. The overhead fans spin more slowly. He sees every twitch of character on every face, hears the scrape of chair legs on marble, the sputter of lips sipping steaming coffee. She's on heightened alert, observing everything taking place in the cafe. She not only awaits the signal mentioned in the message, but wants to identify who's responsible. Knox waits. He's in the business of opportunity. He stands, lets a girl screen him, crosses to the man with the heavy eyebrows and expressionless face. I hope you don't mind, Knox says, reaching his target. He speaks English. He fires off a photograph, a volley of four flashes burst, blinding the man. Thank you, he says. He moves and takes another picture, placing himself between the man tailing Sonya and the door. He sees his plan has worked perfectly. Sonya is outside and moving across the street.
Her tail realizes she's gone. Too late. Knox uses the iPhone's camera to take a photo of the Nikon's small display. He texts the photo to Grace. Sonia boards a tram. Her tail is too late. Grace's phone buzzes in her right hand. Even though she expects the text, the sensation nonetheless startles her. Standing outside Central Station, she feigns studying the tram schedule display. Her jaw lifted. Her eyes are nonetheless trained on the faces of all the passengers disembarking a Line 5 tram. She raises the phone to where she can see Knox's photo of the man in the cafe while studying the faces of those departing the tram. She slips her iPhone into her black leather bag. The area outside the station is jammed.